So you're getting older and things are starting to change with your body, your skin. Oh, let's face it, everything. We've come to the right place. My name's Jill Gilbert and welcome to Anti-Aging Uncensored, the show for driven women who want real solutions to defy their age. I'm obsessed with all things health, wellness, beauty, anti-aging, and helping you tackle the challenging and oh-so-extraordinary next years of your lives. So who am I? I'm an entrepreneur, mom, and self-proclaimed product junkie who never shies away from telling it like it is. I've spent the last decade producing one of the world's premier digital health and wellness shows, and now I'm bringing the leading experts and innovators directly to you. So pull up a chair right next to me for the real talk you crave. I'm asking nitty-gritty questions to get the answers and solutions we all need. Lower metabolisms, skincare changes, sex life, or lack thereof, no topic is off limit. It's time to pour your libation of choice, get comfy, and dive into the next episode of Anti-Aging Uncensored. I had been thinking about getting a little pick-me-up after a year of mostly quarantine life. I was just feeling a little blah. So I did my research and found one of the best medical spas in San Francisco just happened to be up the street from me. I was not planning on meeting my next podcast guest. I just went in for a consultation. But right in the middle of that discussion, I knew I had found the perfect expert to tell us all about a hot topic that was on my list for anti-aging uncensored. Lauren Gallagher is a seasoned aesthetics nurse and an all-around skin guru at this premier medical spa in San Francisco called Skin Spirit. She is insanely passionate about helping her clients learn how to take better care of their skin. And as you'll discover today, she's prolific in the newest and most innovative treatments, procedures, and technology to help us solve all those little things and sometimes big things that bug us about our skin as we age. Lauren is joining me today to take a deep dive into one of the most popular treatments that seems to be growing and growing in popularity. It's Botox, and it's not just for wrinkles anymore. Today, you'll get answers to what are the risks of getting Botox and what are the expected results? What are some of the common uses that Botox works for? And even more interesting is all the lesser known applications it's being used for successfully. And you'll learn the differences between cosmetic Botox and medical Botox. Yes, it's being used to help many with chronic health conditions. If you've got questions about Botox, I bet you'll find the answers in today's episode. So are you ready to dive in? I am. Welcome, Lauren, to Anti-Aging Uncensored. I am so thrilled that you're here today. Great. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a topic that, you know, women have a lot of questions around. I personally was like, well, doesn't everyone know what's going on? What is Botox? All of that. And there there were a lot of questions um, about what it does, but more importantly about the variety of other things it's being used for rather than the typical. So I'm very excited to not only talk about what we sort of know and and get a little bit more clarity around what Botox is, but um, all all the possibilities it's being used for even outside of the work that you do. So why don't we start off the question, what is Botox? Sure. So Botox is a neuromodulator, neurotoxin. Um, Essentially, it's an acetylcholine uptake inhibitor. So it um, basically blocks the signaling chemical from your brain to your muscle that tells your muscle to twitch, thus relaxing the muscle. 
That's yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Well, it works. Um, So and then the word Botox is kind of like the word Kleenex, right? So there are there are other brands out there, right? Yeah. In the U.S., we actually have, I think, four brands currently that are FDA approved for Mm -hmm. use cosmetic injections. Um, Discord is probably the leading competitor to Botox. Um, Botox is owned by a company called Allergan. Um, and then they, they're responsible for like the Juvederm suite of products for fillers. People mm-hmm. are that. And then Disport is owned by um, well, Nestle Cosmetics now, but it used to be called Galderma. And that is um, Restylane family of products. And then there are two other ones that we don't carry at Skin Spirit, but I'm also mm-hmm. familiar with. One is called Xeomin. Um, and that's owned by MERS Aesthetic. Um, they're the company who own or that own the technology behind Althera, as well as Bellatero and other fillers in their suite. Uh, and then there's a newbie to the market called Juvo. Uh, it was launched, I think, right before 2020 started. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, 2019. Um, it's sort of a, a new new kid on the block. Kid on the block, yeah. Thing. You know, the difference between them is really accessory proteins, um, and their patents as a result. Some patients will tell you that they have better results or duration with one neurotoxin versus the other. Um, you know, the accessory proteins on Dysport are different than the accessory proteins on Botox. And what that means is the molecular weight varies from the, from one formulation to another, but they're all a form of onobotulinum toxin type A. So as a consumer though, do we need to know what it is, or do we just rely on our, our, like injector. you to, to, to tell us what we need? I think it's, it's, it's good as an injector for us to make sure that we're familiar with all the possibilities that are out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think the consumer, you necessarily need to know the difference between what, which protein matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but what goes along with some of these different companies is they do have loyalty programs. So you end up building up points. Um, like frequent flyer miles for one brand or another. The only thing to remember with Discord, why some patients would want to avoid that, it, it does have um, what's called milk protein in, in it and it has some lactose. So patients who have a anaphylactic milk protein allergy should not be using Discord. Um, Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, that, that, that's important. So... Do you find that there is an age where it's not just women, I'm imagining it's also men, but like um, where women are starting to think about using it? Is there a too early age? What is what are your thoughts around that? And um, what are you seeing? I mean, I'll definitely say that my patient population has definitely lowered in terms of its age range. Mm -hmm. Um, Younger patients more frequently are coming in for Botox for the first time. Um, for baby Botox or preventative Botox, which has become a bit, um, baby Botox, I've never heard of that term. I guess or like a hot topic lately. But um, but yeah, so that's out there, and that what that means, baby Botox. That term is just low doses of Botox used to prevent the formation of lines and fine lines, wrinkles, face areas where we're treating. Um, wow. Is there? age, you know, FDA trials were only any kind of clinical studies have done on, have only been done on, uh, people who are 18 and over. So personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable treating someone under the age of 18, mm-hmm. um, 
And, you know, I usually just say, if something's bugging you, talk to us about it, come in for a consult. It might not be a Botox issue or a neurotoxin issue. It could be that you need a filler or something different and you just think right. you need. So I consult with the most my understanding, kind of what you're saying is they're doing it for prevention mm-hmm. versus treating what yeah. we, what you have. Right. Does it have a lasting effect or like if you're doing it over a certain period of time, like four years or whatever? I was just curious. <laughs> In terms of preventative, I guess the way to think about it is if you never have get the line in the first place, then we're not doing corrective Botox. We're then doing just something that's preventing that breakdown of inelasticity and collagen over time. So it becomes a little bit easier to, um, to treat with lower dose. Whereas if you start later in life and you have a strong, strong 11 or you struck strong lines across the forehead, you may need a higher dose. That's not to say that younger people with those sudden lines don't need higher doses. Sometimes they do too. Mm-hmm. It all just depends on your anatomy. Got it. So what can, what is the risks? What are the risks for, for women or men getting injections like this? Are there, are there risks? Yeah. I mean, of course there's always risks for anything, right? Um, In our Mm -hmm. consent form, we have very various risks. They, the most common, there's like three main risks that patients talk about and that are on the, um, the packaging. One is going to be um, called eyelid ptosis, and that's when you get a little bit of a droopy eyelid. Kind of mm-hmm. coming back up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in less than 4% of patients. Actually, 3% have reported uh, that issue. Um, the other issue that some, some patients do notice is edema or swelling around the eyelid. And again, mm-hmm. that's still low percentage, around 1, 1% of patients. Um, on the on the forehead line, some patients, actually a fair amount of patients I've noticed, do report headache on onset, mm-hmm. uh, which does dissipate over time. Um, and what's called brow ptosis, which is really not necessarily a risk, risk associated, associated with the medication, but more about injection technique. So, so brow ptosis. When you drop your brow. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So you, so, like a dre- like a droopy brow. Yeah. Ptosis or totic is just a science word for drooping or drop or inability to use it. So. Got it. So why don't we dive in now to the like myriad of uses that are out there. And let's start like, let's start on the beauty side, which I know most people will be interested in. But um, I mean, obviously how I know it and most people know it is through wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, when you and I sat down, you shared with all these other places that you guys are using them, using it and how like multifaceted it is. So maybe we can, uh, maybe you can start diving into that a little bit. Sure. So, um, you know, Botox cosmetic, which is different than um, medical Botox, which is very, it's a product I'm not going to talk about just because I don't have any familiarity with it. Um, but as far as Botox cosmetic is concerned, there are all sorts of areas over the face. Any muscle that's used in facial expression can be neurotoxin um, to, mm-hmm. or any muscle really can be neurotoxin in order to achieve a specific goal. Um, some places that are pretty common are the masseter, which is um, used, which is like at the angle of your jawline. Um, that's and- the, back, the back of your jawline? 
Yeah, sort of at the, it's called the mandibular angle right okay. here at the of your jaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that's used for cosmetically is for jawline slimming. Um, one of the benefits of that is also you get some relief from clenching of the teeth. Um, but the purpose that we do it for is for slimming. So it makes your face look a little thinner. Um, other places would be the platysmal bands or the neck to help with tech neck. Lots of people are and tech and technic is that there's like wrinkles from being down having your head down or horizontal lines from doing this all the time putting your head back pushing your head back Mm -hmm. yeah i've just botoxed mine so i can't really make that face anymore but i could um pin is very common especially in women who are aging as we age we some women get what's called um, a orange peel effect on the chin Mm -hmm. and it tends to be these little, it's these little muscle adhesions that are pulling the skin inward. So you, it almost looks like a dimpled orange peel. Um, right. With the products, you can relax that so it doesn't look as... Um, Modeled or something like that. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. Very, very word effect. And it does show up when you are older. I'd, I'd never really noticed it before. Yeah. Um, what about the lip area? Totally. So Botox around the mouth. Um, the most, some of the most common ones I'm doing, especially my younger patients are corrective Botox for what's called the gummy smile. Um, and that's when we inject higher up, almost near the nose, uh, which drops the muscle that, um, lifts the lip called the levator labialis labii. Not that you necessarily. So the injection goes in near the nose. Yeah. So if you smile really big, you can kind Uh of see muscle inserts and then you inject right there. Um, and that drops down. So it actually relaxes the, 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 where is it like your jowl area? Is that how you're sort of? No. So it's for the upper lip, right? So patients who have, um, exposed gum line, I don't know if you've ever seen that where they have little, like smaller teeth and a lot of gum show. It's called yeah. Also, we do that a lot just to drop that lip down. So you have less gum showing. Got it. Um, right, got it. Got it side, I have a lot of younger patients who are doing what's called the lip flip. So that is Botox around the mouth mm-hmm. in the ulcerous porous muscle, which is a big muscle that runs um, all around the mouth. Mm-hmm. And we just uh, inject that to efface the lips. So it gives the effect of having like a lip filler because you have a little bit more lip showing than getting it turned under. No, it doesn't work on everyone. It's definitely anatomically dependent. Mm-hmm. Again, consultation with someone who's familiar with doing that is um, important. Yeah, it's shocking what happens to our lips as we get older. They, yeah. they, they really do thin. Yeah, and they also turn under. So mm-hmm. the around the mouth, um, you'll notice as you get older, you get what's what are called like vertical rightids or vertical lines. Some people call them smoker's lines. Mm-hmm. But Kind of a misnomer because you don't have to be a smoker to to get those. Um, so that's another way to treat them is by Botox just along the lip line to relax that muscle. And it does the same thing. It sort of effaces the lip slightly. So older patients like that, they have more lip showing again like they used yeah. to. And then relaxation of those lines. Oh, that's awesome. Is there anything around like smile at all? Yeah. So the... Yeah, there's plenty of stuff we can do in the <laughs> Botox, 
I mean, it can go all sorts of places. It's very fun. It's definitely more difficult area to inject and smaller, smaller dosage is really important in that area. Um, so presser angulate oris, which is called the commonly called the DAO is muscle that pulls downward. So these guys. So if you have a downward smile, smile, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's that muscle that's pulling down. So you get the effect of upturning the smile. Got it. Um, what else can I do down there? Oh, tip of the nose. That's a fun one. Uh, what, what is the tip of the nose? Yeah. So we can Botox at the base of the, of the nose uh-huh. right here. And effectively that, uh, releases on some patients, not everyone. Um, you have to be a good candidate. Uh, if people that have noses that go downward, you have a little bit more of a, um, cute nose tip. So instead of the lip flip, it's the nose flip. The nose flip. Yeah. And there's also, along with that, moving upward, uh, something called Botox for bunny lines. Um, so the whole upper third of the face mm-hmm. is always trying to express, right? That's, this is where we have all of our muscles of facial expression for the most part is up in the upper third. Um, when you Botox your eyes or your crow's feet for a long time, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll get muscle recruitment. So other areas of the face will try to work hard enough to express. And one of those areas is the nose. It's called the nasalis. It's kind of like, right yeah, there. Um, so it's, so it's like the, almost like near on, I don't even know how to describe it. Like your inner uh, eyes. Yeah. Kind of nose, yeah. So the nasalis, uh, muscle is just, it lays sort of flat on the side of the nose on both sides. Got it. Uh, and over time, that becomes an area that you might want to address with your injector because you do have an increase in movement there when you've been doing Botox around the eyes for a long time. Um, same thing, why we recommend always treating the whole area and not just a specific zone. Like with the frown or the glabellar complex, it's important to remember that the glabella has an effect on the frontalis, which is the forehead. So the, and the glabella is the, is the 11s, like that whole center area. Yeah. So those muscles pull inward and downward and the mm-hmm. frontal pulls up vertically, which is why you end up with horizontal lines because you're constantly moving that skin and bending it. Um, so it's important to remember when you're injecting for the frown that you may also need to be injected on your forehead because that helps to balance the two muscles. So you're not hyperactive and getting like the Spock brow or the Ursula brow or the Jack Nicholson, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. That's so funny. So is that like, is it used for TMJ too? So people that have like ongoing, you know, clenching and, and issues with that? Cause it's a pretty big yeah. issue. Bruxism as well as TMJ. Um, there are, dentists and um orthodontists who will who specialize that especially here in the city and there's there's several who specialize in tmj treatment and with that they will inject the masseter the temporalis muscle which runs along the temp the the temple the temple side Mm -hmm. yeah and so the the tmj actually stands for temporalis mandibular junction right so okay it's basically what's involved in chewing and grinding so they'll do Botox, usually 50 units per side, which is quite a bit, um, in both the temple and the masseter for correction of that. Um, we just do it for aesthetic reasons, right. but it does have an added bonus of not being able to clench if you're a clencher. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I know some people that deal with it and it's, I mean, to have a solution like that would be incredible, not just having to wear a mouth guard. Right. So, um, I still want to wear your mouth guard. Well, you, you do. Doctor. Okay. Talk to, talk to your doctor about that. <laughs> there goes my, there goes my theory. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so, um, now let's get away from the face. Where else are you guys and other, you know, places like what you do, um, mm-hmm. using Botox? Yeah. So the neck is probably the next biggest area. Um, like we talked about before the platysmal bands, but mm-hmm. then there's also something called microtox, which has gained popularity in the last couple of years, um, which is injecting superficially on the skin, uh, for textural support. So helping with those, as we age, we get that sort of like goose skin. I don't know how else to describe chicken skin. Maybe. Yeah. Like thin, very thin sort of looking and it sort of gets creepy. Um, and so mm-hmm. by injecting superficially, we can help to relax those superficial muscles in the skin and kind of even it out. Um, so that's very common. And that's and on your neck that you were talking about. They're like sort of the creepy neck. Submendibular region. And then the axilla or underarm is something that we do very commonly. Um, I personally get it done every mm-hmm. uh, for some, it's called hyperhidrosis treatment. So what that does is by injecting again superficially into the skin, you um, can control sweating. So you can eliminate sweating under your arms. I know, crazy, amazing. That's awesome. amazing. Um, a lot of my patients who are coming up on their wedding. Um, Great idea. They love doing that, you know, a couple months before or even a month before because they have all those, you know, events leading up to it. Um, cause you don't want to have, you know, sweaty armprits when you're getting married. So that one's very common, uh, and popular in the summertime. Um, I do it every six months just because it's, it's expensive. Um, but mm-hmm. ideal world quarterly would be awesome. Hey there, it's Jill with a quick break from the conversation. Do you women feel like your body is starting to rebel and you're just aching to take back control again? For years, you've given so much to so many, and somehow parts of you just got lost in the mix. I know this because that's how it was for me. Well, it's time for you to make your comeback. You heard me right. That's why I wrote a five-step blueprint for how to start living your best years from this day forward. It's called Wicked, Ageless, and Doing Epic Shit. And you can download your own free copy today by visiting wickedawesomeyou.com slash ebook. And now let's get back to the show. So, and does that, does it sweaty palms? Will it do the same thing for your palms? I can't even imagine getting injections in my palms though. But. Yeah. I mean, um, a physician in a different specialty would definitely be able to inject for sweaty palms. I don't do that, but um, right. it's a uh, which is one of the main reasons we don't do it. And, you know, you want, you want to make sure that it's being done right by a specialist who really knows the anatomy of the hand. Well, mm-hmm. um, you can do it for the feet, sweaty feet, which is uh, a common problem for people. And again, it would be through a different physician that would be Botox, um, medical Botox, as opposed to Botox cosmetic that would be used. Got it. So there is a difference. It's, it's, if there are different FDA approvals, different patents, different studies, different packaging, even and different distribution uh, between Botox cosmetic and medical Botox. Got it. 
And some of the other areas that are sort of outside sort of the beauty realm that we're talking about um, that I have read about are things that, that medical Botox helps with are things like overactive bladder um, and uh, muscle spasms, even incontinence it's being used for. Um, it's pretty, pretty fascinating. Any, anything else that you've, that surprised you about what it's being used for? I mean, you have to think, I mean, surprising maybe, but, um, you know, anywhere where there's a muscle that's involved in the reason for the disease process, Botox can potentially help because it's, you have to think about what the medication itself is doing. It's relaxing a muscle. So anywhere where that's an issue, Botox could potentially be used. Um, you know, again, I don't inject medical Botox, but, um, I to get it done for migraines, which is, you know, a neurologist is doing that and they're injecting all over the scalp, um, the occipitalis muscle, which also innervates with the um, frontalis. So you do get some relief from your forehead lines if you get the migraine Botox, which is nice. Um, (laughs) It is nice. Yeah. Um, It's commonly used for laryngeal spasms, which um, people who have a very shaky voice, they can, it's used due to muscle vibration sometimes. And Mm -hmm. that I inject that you know it's all over the place wow yeah it, I feel like it hasn't even been tapped for everything that is possible yet um or at least we haven't heard about it yeah well I think in the medical community there's definitely a lot of discussion about it um mm-hmm. there Allergan actually has 800 patents um for uses of Botox that are not cosmetic um you know the the process of Botox and where it is today, really, it all began in like 1989. They had it patented or mm-hmm. the formulation. Um, and that was used medically for what's called blethal spasm or like eye twitching like all the time. Yeah. And they were injecting patients along the crow's feet area, along the avicularis oculi muscle, the lateral aspect. And they found that people didn't get wrinkles. Obviously, cosmetic world, we're going to jump on that. So... You know, that's where how, how we got it. But it all came from a medical side. How long does it take usually to see effect from it on your face? So great question. Um, everyone's different. Um, Allergan will tell you that there are patients who report Botox onsetting between 48 and 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have patients come back for touch-ups until the two-week mark because that's generally when you can guarantee that all of the Botox has set in. Um, and what the difference is between, we talked a little bit before about the differences between this part, Botox, et cetera, those accessory proteins, where they do come into play is onset. With that molecular weight, um, some neurotoxins can onset a little faster than others. Some take longer mm-hmm. uh, to, to start working. For the most part, the duration is still the same. Um, and most patients are getting three to four months of actual medication efficacy. What that doesn't include though, is what's you know called like cumulative atrophy of the muscle. So um, if you've been doing Botox for a very long time and, you, and you're consistent with your Botox, you know, the muscle just continues to get weakened and weakened. And in mm-hmm. some, they no longer need to do the forehead because they've done it for so long. Um, and it just is something that they don't have to do anymore. 
Um, well, that would beg the argument that when you're when you're younger and you're using it, it would have a longer lasting effect over a period of time. Yeah. I mean, that being said, though, there's also the flip side to that, mm-hmm. where incidents of people who develop protein, um, what am I trying to say? The, they, deserve, they develop an antibody to, to Botox. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it's a lot more common if you're using Botox too soon in between treatments or for an extended period of time. So the older, the longer you've been using Botox, the more likely you are to develop an immunity to the effects, which is kind of a bummer. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. Very uncommon. You know, um, the percentages, I don't have those in front of me, but it's pretty low with people who are truly immune to it. I have built up antibodies against it. Very interesting. So if someone was just sort of wanting to find, uh, you know, talk to someone like yourself. Um, what do you think is the best way to research? Because I know there are lots of places out there that, you know, are offering these kinds of treatments, um, Botox, um, and we're only talking right now about the beauty Botox, um, area. So, you know, what are the questions they should be asking? I mean, one way to go about it is definitely through Yelp. Obviously, if you're the Yelp um, reviews of a medical spa, that's always going to be helpful. You want to see a place that has consistent reviews over time. Um, and a lot of them, that's helpful. Um, but right off the bat, you know, going to Allergan's website, BotoxCosmetic.com, you can actually enter your um, zip code and then it'll bring up providers who are licensed through, or not licensed, but they are um certified allergen Botox providers, um, such as Skin Spirit. Good idea. Yeah. yeah for sure. I mean, that, that that's how I found you guys. And then maybe narrow it through Yelp that way. That's a great idea. So what, besides Botox, what are some of your other favorite treatments that you've seen that have given the best results? You know, for me personally, like what do I like doing or what do I like seeing my patients. Hmm. Which ones have you seen the most, um, the most, the most results from? You know, filler is always a good one. Hyaluronic acid fillers, they're instant gratification for people. And, you know, once I inject it, that's pretty much what it's going to look like. Then it swells and then comes back down. Mm -hmm. Um, And that helps with anti-aging and, you know, like the lifting and making sure that you're not shifting volume south, right? Because the fat pads as we age move. So we're just sort of replacing fat pad with that. Um, One of my other favorites is probably, I do love IPL. I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's highly satisfying for patients because, you know, all this cumulative sun damage from over the years of like not wearing sunscreen and like using sun beds that we should never have done. (laughs) Um, I'm guilty. yeah, same. Believe it or not, this pale ginger was in getting <laughs> bed. Um, you know, that is really satisfying to have come off as well as the redness reduction and the little vessels around the, um, the nose. Those are yeah, really the fun. broken, uh, what do you call, is that like just broken capillaries or what are those called? Well, they're telangiectasias t- is what they're oh. called. Um, whatever. <laughs> the scientific uh, word. 
broken isn't really the right term, although mm-hmm. everyone says that. They're superficial blood vessels because they're not broken. They're working. That's the problem because you can see them working because they're red. Mm. Um, so IPL is actually coagulating those blood vessels so that they do actually stop working because we're using heat to stop the blood flow. And I'll ask you about one other, because I know it's become extremely popular recently. And I've had even friends, you know, ask about it. And that is Kybella. Oh, yeah. Because as we get older, our chins go south and east and west and. (laughs) Everywhere in between. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, as we get older, patients may or may not be good candidates for Kybella. And that's something that you would want to talk about with your uh, aesthetic provider. But kybella, which is deoxycholic acid, synthetic, and it's essentially synthetic bile salts. Um, and bile in the human body functions to dissolve fat in the digestive tract. So what that helps us do is we can inject it and then the fat goes away permanently, which is amazing. Um, and they're but, only doing this in the neck? <laughs> what about the tummy? So, right? Yeah. There are what's called on-label and off-label uses for Botox as well as anything in cosmetic world. Um, you know, what we talked about, right. the lower face, that's all off-label Botox. And the only thing that's on-label for Botox right now is, is the frown. Um, and then they also have indications for other areas, but it's just the upper third. Um, Kybella, the only place that it's approved but from the FDA is called the submental region, which is um, the right. double check. But there are plenty of other places that we can use it on the body and those are being explored. Um, you know. I cannot wait to hear that. So, but you mentioned before that um, some people might not be a good candidate or older, older women or men might not be good candidates. And, and sometimes younger women are not good candidates either. It really depends on your anatomy. Um, you know, if you have really visible platysmal bands, medial ones, which are the those ones are that the run. Ones. Yeah. Esophagus there, mm-hmm. the neck or throat. Um, if those are really visible with when you have the double chin, if I remove that fat, they're actually going to become more visible. So that's something that we have to take into consideration. Um, other things that would make you not a great candidate would be if you have a lot of skin laxity. So you don't have a lot of elasticity in your skin. We're removing volume. So anytime you remove volume, um, without tightening the skin, you can get saggy chicken neck, right? So we wouldn't want to do something that's going to make it worse than what it looks Not like. saggy chicken neck. No, no one I know has ever asked for that. <laughs> no, one's like the turkey gobbler. No, it's not cute. So it's really, I mean, when you think about Kybella, it's focused on fat. Um, it's focused on excess fat, not excess skin. Right, exactly. There's a difference. Definitely. And, you know, um, Kybella can have, because of the inflammatory process associated mm-hmm. with it, the swelling, which is intense. Um, although Allergan won't tell you that it's intense. I feel like it's intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets <laughs> and then as a result, you do get some neocollagenesis, which just means like producing new collagen, um, which can thicken the skin, but not enough to be clinically significant. So that's an important thing to remember. So, wow. I, I, I think it actually sounds really, really exciting. Um, yeah. Kybella is the coolest. I love it. Yeah. That, that to me sounds, sounds like a good one. And IPL has been around for a while. Right. 
but it has extreme benefits to people, especially I had it done years ago and I'll never forget the, the one time I had it done when I went in and they kept talking about the coffee grinds that are going to come up from your skin. I had, right. I was very fair and I got burned many a time. And so all of that discoloration came out and I literally looked like I had coffee all over my face for a couple of days. That is fine. Um, yeah. And that, what that is, is the pigment because it's been heated, it then comes to the surface and sloughs off, um, which is um, another reason why getting a consultation is important before just booking yep. these, because not everyone is a really good candidate for IPL. Um, if you, you know, skin types one through four are very safe, obviously. Um, if you have more melanin rich skin, you may not be a good candidate for IPL, in which case there are tons of other options that we can explore. Um, whether it's chemical peels or treatments that involve like lasers without heat that aren't targeting melanin. Mm-hmm. Lots of- so last question, what would you tell your younger self about her health? I mean, I would say wear more sunscreen. Mm-hmm. We're not like one. You're pale. Get over it. Um, even if you're not pale. <laughs> You never not feel everyone should be wearing sunscreen, but to myself, I would just be like, you're not. Gonna oh yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> so <stop laughs> tanning beds, use more sunscreen. Stop using tanning beds. Yep. Oh my gosh. And I would also tell myself, make working out a daily habit, not mm-hmm. just something you do for sports because I was really active in sports. But once I stopped playing sports, ugh, I didn't want to work out, you know? That happened to me with dance. I used to dance, take dance classes every single day. And the minute I sort of like dropped it as my major in college, just like never went back and never felt the need because it was dance that I loved, not the working out part of dance. So I think that's a great, um, a great piece of advice to tell our younger selves. So, and always take the stairs. Mm, that's a good yeah. one. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. So how can people find you? Like online. Um, yeah. I mean, you can find me on Skin Spirit's website, um, skinspirit.com. And then you can also find me through my Instagram, which is at the fiery RN. You know. Great. We'll link to that. And we're also <laughs> going to link to uh, Skin Spirit, which is just an amazing, I mean, in all honesty, it was the Yelp reviews just got me because there were such raving fans of not only the way the treatments were done, right, but the way the the evaluation process as well, um, which is great. So it's not like, you know, hey, we're going to do everything right on you tomorrow. It's like, these are the things that you can consider. Right. Yeah. yeah. And putting together a treatment plan with your provider that is sort of all encompassing. So you know what your goals are and then coming together and it's, I like being collaborative with my patients and figuring out that process together. Um, so yeah, you can find me those places or you can Google me. I'm Googleable. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough. I really am looking forward to being able to talk about the future of Kybella in my tummy someday. <laughs> so also, it's also cool sculpting for that. So don't ah. forget yeah. I, yeah. Cool sculpting. Yeah. I, 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 I've heard amazing things about it. Mm-hmm. I've heard amazing things about it. I've done it a bunch of times. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll have to talk about that. 
<laughs> Excellent. Another, another podcast. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I was so excited to get you because I, when you started telling me all the different things that that this this one you know medication and solution does, I just thought this is a really interesting topic, and I love that it's kind of going beyond just you know wrinkles. Yeah, totally. I mean, Botox is magic. Yeah, you know, it really is. And for the same price as an expensive eye cream, you can get your crow's feet injected. So which is going to be more effective? Probably the Botox. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. So nice to see you. Bye, Jill. I hope you found new information on Botox today, or maybe you discovered one of the lesser known uses and want to recommend this episode to a family member or a friend. If you're looking for more information on Lauren Gallagher and Skin Spirit or any other details mentioned in this episode, you can find those at wickedawesomeyou.com slash podcast. I'd love to hear your experiences. Have you used Botox before? What were your results? And if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Next week, we are going to start selecting one review each week to share with you so you can see how this podcast is helping others that are tuning in as well. So until next week, I'm Jill Gilbert, your host of Anti-Aging Uncensored. Have a crazy healthy week. <laughs>